Hello and welcome back to Graham Radio. My name is Levi Weinstein and I am your host. Today on the podcast, we have a very special guest. His name is Drew Powell. His Instagram handle is at Drew Powell Flute. And he is a professional flutist. So he plays the flute professionally. He lives in the Bay Area. This podcast was, I, I didn't know what to, what to expect because most of my podcasts have either been with close friends or with uh, with rappers or people who are into hard hard rock or metal. This guy is a professional flutist. He's a classical he's a classically trained flutist who tutors how to play the flute. His whole Instagram is beautiful flute music. It's it's awesome. I I really had no idea what to expect. It ended up being an absolutely fantastic podcast. Very very educational about a topic that I had n- no idea even existed. We talked a lot about um, composers from dating back to the 1600s, and co- we compared certain operas. We define the word opera, and we kind of explore what and what an opera is. We compare uh, culture from the mid 1840s to what certain rappers are doing today. We talk about something called a light motif, and. Before uh, we before you listen to this podcast, I highly recommend going on his Instagram, uh, scrolling to the post that he made on August twenty seventh, and it, you're gonna see it's a video of him with a black background playing the flute, and this is when he uh, he performed this live. Um, we talk a little bit about this, or I guess we talk a lot about this near the end of the podcast. It. It is just, it is, this video is beyond flute playing. It is absolutely incredible. He said that he was in, his inspiration to do it was actually dubstep music. And it's like beatboxing times dubstep, but all on a flute. And it's just him on a stage. There's no other, there's no backing to this. It's just him and the flute. And it's pretty unbelievable. So once again, that, that, his Instagram is at Drew Powell Flute. The post that I'm directing you that I'm directing you towards is August twenty was on August twenty seventh, and uh, it, it's a it's the post with the black background. He's in a suit and he's playing the flute. That rhymed. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome to the Graham Radio Podcast. We have Drew Powell, and uh, before we hey. started, we both found out that we are drinking water. So cheers. Here's to you, man. Hey, here's Nicely to you. Water. Thank you, dude. Some high quality H2O. It's good for you. It's good for the soul. Good for the body. You can't go wrong. Um, whenever you know, it's funny that you say that it's good for the soul because whenever I eat food that's like terrible for me, I, <laughs> I my that's my uh, rationale. I say, yeah, man, this fried chicken. You know what? Tons of trans fats, but you know what? It's good for the soul. It's like my mind needs it, but then the pro- like for me, it's Chick Fil A. Like, I don't know about you, but, like, there are certain nights of the week, or not, like, every week, but, like, here and there, I'm just like, I'm craving those chicken nuggets with some Chick-fil-A sauce, man. And then I get it. And, like, my mind is happy about it, but my body is not quite as happy after the experience. But that's okay, because your mind (laughs) is happy, you know? And and overall, it's going to be okay. Yeah, man. Uh, I just spent the last like five months of my life preparing to take the Florida bar. And you know what is about one mile away from the library where I studied? A Chick-fil-A. Mm. So hey. my buddy and I went there at least once a week. And 
<laughs> gobbled up some fried chicken to say the least have yeah, you had yeah. those milkshakes from chick wait hold up no. have you had the lemonade from chick-fil-a well of course you it's have so to have good. chick-fil-a lemonade yeah yeah have, has that ever like it's so it's like so strong that like your jaw hurts have you ever gotten that before like uh, i actually know exactly what you're talking about yeah it's yeah, like it's, wild. it's so like acidic acidy acidic citrusy yeah. i don't know lemony there's a <laughs> lot of lemons in it but i feel like it's probably artificial though is yeah, that must be artificial sure. right i have no idea i don't know either i've never worked at chick-fil-a so wait did you already take the bar at this point yeah i took the bar on t on what they say monday so i took it exactly a week ago i took it on tuesday so Dude, you're alive that's amazing oh my gosh man it's been a, it, and so we so the pandemic hit right yeah and all these other states, I'm in Florida right now. You're in California right now, by the way, right? Uh -huh. yeah. Okay, but ah, oh, fuck, we never introduced you. Okay, let me tell the story, then we'll introduce you. Uh, <laughs> sorry, right. man, I'm being a terrible host. Um, good. Yeah, so uh, the bar exam was has been scheduled for years to be on July 24th and 25th, right? July 24th, yeah. 25th, 2020. Around March, pandemic hit. All of these states started to reschedule their – I was about to say reschedule their podcasts. Sorry. So they were about <laughs> to reschedule their bar exam. All these other states, they rescheduled it to like September contingent wow. on the status of the pandemic. Some of them even canceled it. and So the bar exam is, is administered twice a year, once in February, once in July. A lot of them just canceled it and said, we'll see you in February. Florida had until May 5th to decide on what they were going to do. On yeah. May 5th, and I remember that day because Cinco de Mayo, I was at my friend's house drinking tequila. On May 5th, I'm sitting there, and we get an email from the FBBE. Hey, everyone, guess what? We're deciding not to reschedule. See you in July. So oh, wow. I know. So I immediately went home, woke up on May 6th, studied my ass off until July 1st. On July 1st, they posted on the FBBE website, this is 22 days from the bar exam. Hey, guess what? We've decided to postpone the bar exam to August 19th. So now, Drew, you're probably thinking, wait a minute. You just said that you took the bar exam a week ago, and it's yeah. currently October 19th. That's weird because October 9th, because August 19th is a month ago. Well, let me tell you what happened. They said that they're going to reschedule it for October for august 19th on august 16th dude they they i know they had no us download way. this software called ilg and yeah. immediately after downloading the software people realized that the software was so penetrable you could copy and paste full paragraphs into like that software is supposed to lock out your computer so that you can't it do anything it closes out things everything nope it literally just did not work so two days before the bar exam maybe three they said hey we're gonna postpone it again until oct until october 13th but on october 13th they used the new software and it worked thank god I'm that results come out on november 20th mm -hmm. and i really hope i passed either way i'm gonna talk about what happened whether or not oh i passed gosh. on the on on the podcast so that, uh, that's wild like they kind of been a wild five months there. man yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. I know, but enough about me. I think that I've already said that like <laughs> twice on the fucking podcast, but it's still nice to inform you. So yeah. Um, Drew Powell flute uh, for the listeners. Uh, the way that I found, I, I think I've actually been following you for like maybe 
a year, maybe like six or seven months. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I've been following you. For, it was when you're the, the. It was when you went viral that one time from, uh, from like beatboxing on the mm. on stage. With the, I, I know you, that you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Yeah, you went viral, <laughs> and I immediately followed you. Um, around that time, I was listening to a lot of Bach, 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 B A C H. Yeah. Just, uh, you don't need to be pretentious. This is Bach. Bach. Thank you. And. I was listening to a lot of him, so I was like, wow, this is like an actual fl- flutist? Is that how you say it? Yeah, you know, you and I being in America, I prefer flutist. And like, honestly, if I had a dime for every time somebody asked me that question, I would I would be a very wealthy man, Levi. You'd be a very wealthy flutist. Exactly. There you go. What do they call it in like in other areas of the it's, world? It's pretty common in Europe. I know that they're called flautist. Um but that's also because like you've got more like romance languages over there, so just naturally it's called, like called the flauta, for example. But yeah, in America it's flute, so flutist makes a little bit more sense. Flutist makes opinion. flutist does make a little bit more sense. Yeah, man. So I found you. Uh, I I don't remember how long ago that was, but it whenever that was is when I started following you, and just like whenever you post shit, I'm like, wow, this guy really knows how to play the flute very very well, <laughs> and I've never met anyone who can play the flute let alone as as well as you. So you're a perfect candidate for the Graham Radio podcast. So yeah, man. So just as a general question, like who is Drew Powell? Like how did you get into the flute? Who who are you? Great question. Um, so I um, am currently a professional freelance flutist in the Bay Area of California. Um, I live about, oh, about 45 minutes out of San Francisco, or at least with COVID traffic, it's about 40 minutes. But uh Pre-COVID, it tended to be more like an hour and 15 minutes, but that aside. Um, so that basically means that I was kind of traveling around the Bay Area and doing a lot of gigging, a lot of teaching as well. Um, and then unfortunately, COVID-19 hit, concerts aren't happening. And so I'm doing a ton of teaching right now. Um, and all of that is actually online teaching. And it does actually work fairly well. Um, it's, it's not quite as easy as in-person teaching, but it still gets the job done. So anyways... Um, doing a lot of teaching in the Bay Area. Um, but yeah, before this, um, I have two degrees in flute performance, actually. I got uh, my bachelor's degree at Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah, and then got my master's degree at Northwestern University. Uh, so I lived in Chicago for two years, and it was awesome. I missed Chicago so much. I think that city is just awesome. Um and then, yeah, born raised in Spokane, or not born raised, but I was raised in Spokane, Washington. Um, so I'm kind of a Northwest kid at heart. Um, and so it's, it's kind of nice to be back on the West Coast. Have, uh, I'm just curious, uh, have you ever been to Florida or no? I had like long time ago. Okay, um, yeah. my, my parents took me to Disney World when I was in sixth grade. So when I was 12, I went to Florida. But nice. I, think, I think that's the only time I've ever been in Florida. Okay. Yeah. So... What's a, a gig for, for a flute? Because when I hear the word gig, I think to mm. myself, like, a rock band has a gig. Sure. Like, I've never, yeah. I've never thought to myself, like, oh, this, a, a fl- I'm a flutist. I have to go do a gig. But, like, yeah. And also, now that I'm picturing flute gigs, what I'm picturing is, like, very, very high class. Like, there's, har- there's probably a harp somewhere. I'm in a suit <laughs> uh, there, or maybe a tuxedo. Am I, what chair are you? Are you first chair, second chair? Is that even a yeah, thing? So I literally don't it's, know. It's, 
It's it's funny that you imagine harp because I literally have done background gigs with a harpist. Like I've collaborated with harpists Called in it. the past, and it's it's so fun. Yeah, I love playing along with harp. Um, but yeah, like in terms of classical music, the common gigs that we get are things like weddings, or like in Chicago, there's a very large Jewish population. So sometimes, are, like, are you Jewish? Not, no, I'm not Jewish. No, okay, um, I'm Jewish. So shout out to the Jewish oh, yeah. population over there. Right on, man. Yeah. For you. Um, so yeah, sometimes like not like the bar mitzvah, bar mitzvah, but like there was I can't remember what it was because it wasn't a wedding. I want to say it was like some sort of like baby. Oh, a blessing. Probably yes. Did they cut the foreskin of the penis? That's it. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, uh -huh. that's it. Um, and so yeah, like we there was just like just kind of like a meal, you know, and it was just yeah, me and my buddy on the harp, we were just kind of playing background music. It's super fun actually. Background gigs are super fun uh, because like nobody's really paying attention to you, so you can kind of do what you want. Um, and yeah, it's it's just really low pressure and usually good pay. But anyways, um, the most common types of gigs that I was that I was doing pre-COVID was actually um, I would be called in as a substitute player for an orchestra. Um, as the old saying goes, this show must go on. And this definitely applies to orchestral music. If even one part is missing in a symphony, like on a professional level, that, that show can't happen. Like you have to have all the parts there. And so let's say like, I don't know, an emergency happens with one of the players. They get sick or they have a family emergency. The orchestra is going to have a list of people for every single instrument that something happens. They'll call on a substitute to go in for that service. Or sometimes, um, even in a non-emergency setting, like a professional musician will be like, I'm going to take this week off for whatever reason. And so they'll like call you and be like, hey, we're going to need you for this rehearsal on this day, rehearsal on this day, and then the two concerts over the weekend. So you're just kind of there for the weekend. Um, and so I was doing a lot of substitute work in the Bay Area. Um, and that's actually kind of fun. You just kind of drop in on the orchestra. You play a couple of services over the, and when I say service, I mean like a rehearsal or a concert um over the weekend i would what say what are you wearing the at, the, fun... at these things like i picture oh wait what Completely were you about depends. to say what's the most fun what what were you saying well yeah I'll, your question's easy one and then i'll i'll tell you the story it's sure. um it's a good question actually it kind of depends on the orchestra and on the concert so like for example orchestras will sometimes do what's called a pops concert maybe we'll be like playing the soundtrack to a movie and the movie will be projected like projected on a screen above fun. us what it's super cool actually like star really wars fun concerts to play yeah yeah, like totally, like John Williams concerts, you know, basically, you know, all of that stuff. Harry Potter. Um, mm -hmm. Like you name it, like it's like orchestras do it. Wow. Um, so for concerts like that, usually we're just wearing like all black. So like just black collared shirt, black pants, you know, whatever. Um, but for like a typical concert, it's usually like a, a full tuxedo. That's that's traditional dress for um, orchestral concerts. So depending on the orchestra, sometimes we'll actually be in tails and like a white cummerbund. In other orchestras, it's just a regular black jacket with a black cummerbund and black bow tie. It just kind of depends. Uh, either it's white tie or black tie. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's very formal. So it's kind of funny. Like I, I'm like in my late 20s, but I own like two tuxedos. Like most men these days don't own a tuxedo, but like I act, like I have my own tuxedos. <laughs> most men aren't professional flutists. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways, so the, the, what I was going to say is uh, probably the most fun and just the coolest gig that I ever did was actually, it was just a little... It was just a little bit less than a year ago because it was it was literally a Halloween of um, 2019. I was in the south, but do you know like Bay Area geography at all? Not at all. I've been to San Francisco totally one fine. time. No, no worries. Basically, I was about I, I was a little bit outside of San Jose, which is a city about 45 minutes south of San Francisco. 
I was there doing some teaching in the morning. I was on my way back home. I get a call from a San Francisco number while I'm driving. So like I answer it and like, hello. And it was, he was like, hi, my name is so-and-so personal manager of the San Francisco opera. Um, which, which is, is a big, of, is that like the big opera of San Francisco? I mean, so, if it's called the San Francisco I mean, opera, I'm assuming. It's, it's not only the, the highest caliber opera of the Bay area. It's arguably one of the best opera companies in the U S like Whoa. it's, it's a national tier opera company. It's a pretty big deal. Very, very professional organization. Um, and the personnel manager was like, we need you at a rehearsal. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. When is it? He's like one o'clock. It was currently 1130. No. <laughs> and so I was like, so like I quickly did some math in my head. I was like, okay, I have all my instruments with me because I was just teaching and I'm like somewhat professionally dressed, like good enough for rehearsal. Yep. Count me in. And so I like veer, like veer off the freeway, change routes, Scared. and I drive into San Francisco, barely make it to the rehearsal. And I ended up playing with the opera for like three days in a row. It was so much fun. Um, and to give you an idea, like for one of the gigs that I did, they asked me to just do a performance of Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro. Um, hadn't rehearsed with the orchestra at all. They were just like, we need you for this performance. Can you make it? I'm like, absolutely I can. And so it was super cool. One of the coolest professional experiences of my life. And the people there were so kind, very nice, uh, very welcoming. It was It was a pretty cool experience. Wow. And how much preparation for that exact piece did you need to do before showing up there? Or you just know that? Well, there's a there's a funny distinction between how much preparation I needed to do and how much preparation I actually was able to okay. do. So with um, that first day that I was called in for that rehearsal, I had never played that opera before. It's an opera uh, called uh, Manon Lescaut by uh, Puccini. And it's got a pretty difficult flute part so that was a pretty tense couple of hours for me making sure that i was you know on my best behavior and was oh able my to lord that's terrifying it takes a lot of just kind of just being good at what you do to be able to show up and do the show but luckily the the next day when i was called in to do the actual performance of marriage of figaro that was so this would, would have been a friday night um <clears throat> Like I had, no, this was a Saturday night, excuse me. I, I had time that day because it was Saturday. Like I pulled up the opera score on my computer and I literally just played along with a recording. So I was at least able to like play through the entire opera at home before I showed up for the performance that night. So I had a little bit more preparation that time. But How yeah, long was that like, opera? Let's see, Marriage of Figaro, I think it's like ooh, three hours. Wow. I was expecting I was expecting you to say like 45 minutes at, like at the maximum. Oh, no. No. no, like like operas are comparable to like a Broadway show or like a movie like this was like the form of entertainment that people had for centuries like opera starts in like the Baroque era, which is about, you know, 1600s ish um, and opera goes all the way in until today. But from then until like mid 1800s, you start getting Wagner and Verdi like opera is literally like the form of entertainment that people have because they didn't have cinema they didn't have tv obviously i mean we know that but so opera was actually a huge deal and so because of that it was long <laughs> like a yeah, typical mozart that makes opera a lot of is going to be like it's going to be about like two hours two hours 15 minutes you get into like the wagner stuff those can be like four hours long i mean they are gigantic operas wait how do you how do you spell the last per that, that last name that you said Wagner? Wagner. So it's W A G N E R. He was German. Oh, okay, yeah, because I knew that there was not going to be a, a V in the beginning of that <laughs> for some for some reason. 
Yeah. Wait, who, what are some other big opera? I mean, I've just never heard of these names before. What, what are some, like, I'm going to go back and listen to this. Like, what yeah. are some other, what, what are some awesome operas that I need to listen to? Um, I would begin with, uh, honestly, like Marriage of Figaro actually is a really good intro. Like it's, like, it's considered a comic opera, so it's very humorous and lighthearted. It's written by Mozart. And so it's fairly accessible in terms of just like being able to just like be okay with it. What, what do you um, mean by humorous? Um, like it's it's joking. Like there, there are certain funny things that happen on stage between the characters. So and, are there? Uh, okay, when I think opera and what you do, mm-hmm. what I'm picturing is an orchestra playing music. But That's from correct. the way the, from the way that you're talking right now, it sounds like there's characters that have lines. Is that accurate or no? Yeah, that, that is accurate. So opera is an art form where it utilizes music along with people on stage. And these people on stage are only singing. Um, and so it's not like a play where you have spoken parts and no music. And it's also not like a musical where you have music, but there's also some dialogue. And then occasionally they break out into, you know, a show-stopping song. With opera, there is literally music the whole time. And literally every single word spoken by the characters on stage is sung. Um, and so that's the difference between opera and other art forms. Is Hamilton an opera? Hamilton is a Broadway musical, technically. Okay. And kind of the, the, the groundbreaking thing about Hamilton is instead of using kind of the traditional musical type of vocals, he incorporated hip hop and R&B and rap. And it was kind of this love letter, not only to, you know, the the history of the United States, but also to hip hop. Um, That's, and that's why Hamilton was such a big thing. It is such a big thing. It is such a big thing. But the reason that I ask is because it falls under the definition that you just said of opera. Every single (laughs) line in that entire Broadway musical is so true. Yeah. Actually. So, so is that an opera? Yeah, there's like no dialogue in Hamilton, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would still put it under the genre of a Broadway musical because that's where it originated. Like Broadway is actually, I mean, you know, like Broadway is a place in New right, York. Right, right, right. And while theaters these days aren't actually like necessarily have to be on Broadway Avenue, um, the genre of Broadway is like, it's an actual style of music. It's a style of singing and, and, and a style of acting. And Hamilton very, very much fits within that genre. But you're totally right. One very unique thing about Hamilton is that there is no dialogue. Everything mm. is actually either rapped or sung, um, which which I do find interesting. But if you listen to opera, you'll you'll very clearly see the differences between something like Hamilton and something like, you know, a, a Mozart opera or a Wagner opera or something like Puccini, Puccini for example, P-U-C-C-I-N-I. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like how, uh, what's the thing that we all learned in math class in like third grade? Every, every square is also a rectangle, but not every rectangle is a square. So it's like Hamilton might technically fall under the definition of an opera, but it's not an opera. Like it's it's not actually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely not an opera. Like the only reason that I even thought of asking you that is because I think that when Hamilton first came out, I saw an article that referenced Hamilton as an opera. But there's also like rock well, opera, right. like there, there's right. like the, you yeah. know like Pink Floyd, The Wall, I Pink think Floyd. is considered yep. a rock opera. Exactly, that's right? like kind of one of the the big historic rock operas of the 20th century. Um, and once again, it's it's the fact that there is no like technically spoken dialogue, and everything is accompanied with music, 
whether it be Pink Floyd or whether it be Hamilton. And I think it's really cool, actually, that you found an article that kind of defined Hamilton as an opera because you can see why the distinction actually isn't very clear because Hamilton, again, it doesn't have any dialogue. So could you consider it an opera? I suppose so. But like for, I don't know, the sake of simplicity and just, I mean, like literally, like I think on the cover of Hamilton, it's like Hamilton a Broadway musical or like an mm -hmm. American musical or something like that. Like literally the title of the show includes the fact that it is, it, it states that it's a musical. See, um, the, but the, in the, like way, the broader definition of an opera, sure. Why not? <laughs> like the way that we're talking right now, almost, it, it, it kind of reminds me of, I think, when did Taylor Swift really get big? Maybe 2009, <laughs> 2010. And the big argument was, uh, Oh, this isn't real country. This isn't yeah. real country. This is Taylor Swift. And it's like, you listen to Taylor Swift and it's not country. It's, it's like pop, but it kind of yeah. falls under the definition of country. Like, I mean, I, if you ask me to, to define country, I can't, but it's like, when I listen to that, sure it's pop, but it has a lot of country influences, Influence. yeah. but not, yeah. not just in the way that it sounds, but almost the way that it's structured. And it's like, it, it, and rap as well. Like you have like um, NWA who it's sure. nwa it's like classic like you have verse chorus verse chorus however a rap song is structured but then you have like i don't know ski mask the slump god or xxx temptation <laughs> who are yeah. just like screaming and mumbling and yeah. it's the same technically they're both rap but they sound nothing alike just well, like I mean, yeah. and we're, we're, we're entering a slippery slope there talking about, you know, um, you know, XX Temptation and, and whatnot. And like, I, I guarantee like the, the, such a huge like war of words in the hip hop world is like, is that actually hip hop or like, you know, is rap dying and, and who are like the real hip hop artists? And I am no expert in that field. So like, right. that's as far as I go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, I, I just think like, OK, let's say that someone said that Hamilton is an opera. And then the person right next to him said, oh, that means that opera is dying. Well, I would disagree with that because I would say that like nothing, nothing is happening to, Va Va you said Wagner is the name? Of, yeah, of Wagner. Okay, Va when did Wagner, when, when was Wagner? It was about mid 1800s. Okay, sure. Wagner was the mid 1800s. It's perfect. Wagner is still being played in orchestras. You just played Wagner. Wagner isn't dead. The is the genre dead? Or I guess the I guess the way that you would say a genre is dead is that like it has forever changed, and then the way that it used to be is never going to come back. But I guess here's a question for you: Are people making like today in 2020? Are people making operas that are, ha, that have the same feeling of Wagner or those or those old operas, like the same classical opera feel? That's a that's a good question. Um, the the straightforward and easy answer is yes. People are definitely writing operas these days. Lots of contemporary composers are still writing within the opera um, genre or like the opera definition of music, where we have classically trained vocalists on stage singing words that tell a story and playing characters and acting through the singing that they're doing accompanied by orchestral music or just music otherwise okay but then what's a, a really interesting evolution 
of, and I say evolution on purpose, from like, you know, talking about Wagner to what's going on today, um, without being too scholastic for you, like, because uh, I want to make sure that this appeals to, or like makes sense to a broader audience. Wagner, one of his big philosophies was basically taking every single art form and combining it into one product. Okay, in German it's called Gesamtkunstwerk. Um, crazy big uh, German word. But basically, if you think about it, like in Wagner operas, you have music, you have dance or just movement in general through the actors, you have acting, you have singing, you have visual art through stage design, you have, I, I guess you could call it fashion, but really it's just costume, costume design, makeup, etc. Like every single art form that you can think of, it's, it's included in a Wagner opera, okay? So then what was really interesting about another thing that Wagner did was he used certain musical fragments to represent a character. Um, these are called leitmotifs, um, or basically a, bit, a little bit of music that is associated with a character. Think, for example, now, and this is where I'm going with it, Star Wars. When I say Darth Vader, what music comes into your mind? Um, da, 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 exactly. Exactly. When you think of Luke Skywalker... Or if you're a really, really big into Star Wars fan, Princess Leia. Leia. Ba, da, dee, da, ba, dee, da, da, da. Like there's an actual like there's <laughs> I can't, a I can't get that one honestly. But yeah, there, there's yeah. like a melody that is associated with Leia. Um, and so John Williams, composer of the music for Star Wars, he stole that idea from Wagner. He uses leitmotifs and he associates that music with the characters. What's really interesting about George Lucas and John Williams together is that they also kind of did a Wagnerian thing where there is music literally the entire film of Star Wars. It's never silent. There's music for literally every single part of that movie. Wow. And so basically what we see there is this evolution of these ideas that Wagner put out there in opera. And then George Lucas, John Williams, stealing those ideas and turning them into a more relevant or more accessible format for the 21st century, AKA film, 20th and 21st century film. Um, and so I, I find things like that, you know, very fascinating. Do, do you think that- Does that kind of answer your uh, question? It absolutely does. Do you think that Wagner and and uh, John Williams, right, is who we're talking about with, yeah. um, with Star Wars, do you think they were, how do I say this? creating culture it, it, you know you know what i mean wow like, were they creating culture i feel like you could write a phd like document on that i mean hey let's theorize i i, I think were yes they creating culture yeah um Be, beyond just mere fandom were they creating culture i mean well that comes down to what your definition of culture actually is um which um, i don't know if i really know enough about i think it. that culture well, I'd say that when I think of culture, I think like the way that you want, to, like the way that society views something, like creating a new thing and how society at, like collectively views something. So like, sure, there are fans of Star Wars, but those kids who grew up fans of Star Wars, like 
hardcore fans of Star Wars, even not that hardcore fans of Star Wars, they might have gotten into all sorts of different things. Like Mm -hmm. just based on how technology was with like Star Wars, oh my God, a lightsaber is so cool. Maybe that kid got into computers and maybe computers became a super big thing in his friend group. Or um, look at like, I mean, I don't know much about the mid 1800s of Wagner in Germany. I don't, but let's just look at like, Let's look at Migos, who actually are okay. Migos is the perfect example because their album is literally called Culture. Like, when you look at Migos, they were not the first people to throw in ad libs into their songs, Mama, this and that. They weren't the first people to do that, but they made that so gigantic that an entire culture of rappers started doing that. Like, now you have Travis Scott's, like, uh, what's Travis Scott's? thing um hey i don't know it's something hey talk about light motifs huh talk about light motifs that make uh uh that that like whenever okay you know 21 savage have you heard you know 20 he's a rapper whenever you hear 21 21 21 in a song that's like i guess would that be his light motif because whatever Uh, he feels i I know it's a stretch here it's a huge stretch (laughs) it's a stretch yeah (laughs) yeah man but yeah, like I mean, I, I would say that that's we're like, like more sorry to like, go on a crazy uh, tangent, but were a they creating culture? Identifier. I would right. say yes, they're they're creating culture because they are affecting the way that a society relates to itself and the way that the people in that society view the world, um, and to a pretty large extent, the way that people think as well. <clears throat> As that's a much like b- what, more that's a much better and concise way of saying exactly what the <laughs> hell I was trying to say. As as for like what culture is, I mean, I don't know if I can create a concise definition. I would have to consult, you know, someone who actually specializes in the study of culture, but um uh, yeah, like at, on first thought, if I had to just, you know, off the cuff define culture, it would be the way that a society exists with itself and the way that it associates um with the world around it is is probably the best that i could do to create a definition so when Wagner, when Va- i feel like i'm saying this wrong every single time i say wagner it. wagner yeah wagner wagner when wagner was gigantic in the mid 1800s did people mm-hmm. take the feeling of being at that orchestra and apply it to their lives yes like in what way so. like did it now become expected that uh, like a uh, uh, at every classy restaurant, there would be um, a, a, a harp player accompanied, of course, by a flautist because we're in Germany uh, and because of how classy they felt at Wagner's play or excuse me, <laughs> opera. So something like that. Um, when, I know when I'm Wagner, exaggerating and being facetious here, but it's all good. Um, when Wagner was composing music, his music was it was actually so novel and revolutionary that it was said that people fell under the spell of Wagner. Um, they would hear his music and become perhaps to a certain degree obsessed with it. People would actually, what they would do is every single year, there is a city in Germany called Bayreuth where there's a theater built specifically to show Wagner's operas. And every single year, um, this, this opera house does this huge series of Wagnerian operas. And this happens to this day. Um, The theater in Bayreuth is still there. Um, And people, what they would do is they would actually get a score of an opera and they would study the score of the opera. 
um, and actually prepare themselves for this concert um, or for viewing this opera. Um, which what do you I mean they would really study it? Like they, they study, they, they practice would, playing they, it? No, they would look at the score and they would look for different musical elements that Wagner was using. For example, the leitmotifs that he would use, the certain musical gestures that he would use to associate with characters in the, sh in the opera and so on and so forth. And so it, it certainly was a big cultural movement and certainly a huge part of culture in Germany when it first became a thing and then, you know, spread abroad. And now, it, you know, he's certainly one of the most historic composers of opera of all time. Um, but that being said, I'm, I mean, believe it or not, I'm actually not a specialist in opera either. I've just, you know, Hey man, you had me fooled. Opera. Learning a little bit about opera, that's just kind of part of, you know, musical training. But I mean, that's about as in depth as I could go again, like people who actually specialize in these topics could go on and on about it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see how entertainment forms really not all, well, it's kind of a symbiotic relationship, like forms of entertainment reflect what's going on in society but also what's going on in society affects the way or the the forms of entertainment and and the media that we consume for example like the the music that's being released right now in 2020 i guarantee is way different than what it would have been if the pandemic had not have happened um like you see these songwriters who are writing music more with the mindset of either expressing the anger or frustration or fear that they feel as a result of the pandemic and then you also have artists who are writing a lot of music that comforts or encourages people we're also seeing i would say a decent amount of motivating music that's coming out um i'm i mean i can't really give you specific examples i can't really think of that right now but like the, the the way that the direction that popular music is going in right now, I would like to argue is is different than what it would have been if the pandemic hadn't have happened. And that's because music is influenced by what happens in the world and the world is influenced by what music happens. So I guess the influence on the world that music has is what Wagner was doing in the 1800s. He, he was influenced. He was influencing. Totally. Yeah, that's that's so cool. Totally. I, you know, I hate to harp on this. Harp, hey, just uh, no pun intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> light motifs. I'm just mm. thinking, like, like I guess the the purpose of a light motif. It, well, I'll, I'll ask you, what is the purpose of a light motif? Like, um, a, a beyond, like beyond what it does, because yeah. like a light motif, when you hear dun 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 dun, dun you know that Darth Vader is about to come. But like right. beyond that, like besides just notify putting the art the audience on notice of what's about to happen or what is happening, what is the purpose of a light motif? I think you literally just said actually the main purpose of the light motif. It's to let the audience know what's about to happen or what is happening. And it's it's very interesting how subliminally the music can send that message without being overt. Like we suddenly like we're we're in a scene you know, where, where Luke is walking through the dark forest and then suddenly like this, this projection of Darth Vader appears. Um, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be mistaken, I'm not a hardcore Star Wars fan. Um, 
I feel like the like the the Darth Vader leitmotif is playing in the in the music before Luke actually encounters Darth Vader. I could be wrong, uh, but I'm pretty sure that's what happens. But so there's like a certain anticipatory element of the music, um, but also it basically it's just a way of further identifying characters with like who they are in the show and how they relate to one another. Um, yeah, that's probably the best definition that I could give. Yeah, and it, so it puts the audience on notice, and yeah. it like it makes the audience feel the way that the director wants the director to feel. Yes. Like Absolutely. just in in general, the sat like dun 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 dun. dun mm-hmm. Not only does that make me aware that Darth Vader's on the way, or someone's thinking about Darth Vader, but it makes me feel uneasy. It's scary right. music. Yeah, right. it's just. It's just like how uh, in the movie Inception, there was, you might know about this. There's a, they figured out some new sound of like, it's like a decreasing wavelength, a static wavelength, and an increasing wavelength. I don't even know if that's right or what that means, but something happened there. They figured mm-hmm. out some new sound that it's a never-ending sound. It can just go on forever, and it puts you, it makes you uneasy, which is how, or maybe not uneasy, but sort of confused and aware and that's how in the movie inception made you feel and obviously this is beyond light motifs this is now the score of a movie and just how it makes you like just feel in general but yeah like scores and light motifs yeah i guess the score of harry potter is very very positive and awesome and of course magical it's very mystical and very interesting exactly so what about what would be the equivalent of a leitmotif of a human being? It, 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 like, just a, a normal human being. Like, would it be... Let's say, the, like, a, a, a catchphrase. Catchphrase. Come to mind. It's so like something okay. that somebody says or does all the time. Um, like, I imagine, like, if, if my friend had a pull string on his back, and I pulled that string... You know, I love this. What would, what would he or she say? Like, what would be their, their woody lines? That's a, um, that is a great way to think about that. Uh, it's like, yeah. what is that person's personality? Like, what is that person's personality wrapped up into a, a pull string line? Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. a leitmotif is something that um, I would venture to say never changes. But then in, in all entertainment, there is character development. So sure. a leitmotif could change and it could come back. It's a leitmotif. It's I guess it's however Wagner and um, and John Williams Scott. Wait, who did? Wait, did I say that? It's John. Yeah, John Williams. Yeah, it's alright. I don't know. No. I don't know. Uh, I don't know composers. But yeah, you know, th- characters do change, but you're always that person. So I don't know. It's interesting stuff. So um, wow, we've had some. We've gotten deep, huh? We've had some yeah. crazy. We've talked about some crazy yeah. stuff. So we, we, we can pivot if you want. This has been pretty interesting stuff. Riveting. We're solving the world's issues. So one thing that I definitely wanted to ask about is yeah. the the craziness that I saw that made me follow you. The beatboxing, <laughs> but it was beyond beatboxing. It was like yeah. the way that you were like, you, you must have been like breathing in and out super crazy fast because it sounded like you were rolling your like that like mm. you were in the in the flute yeah. is that like how'd you figure that one out <laughs> so um 
you probably don't know him by name, but you would probably recognize the video. There's this guy named Greg Patillo. Um, and he I can look up of... the video right now. Should I, should I look yeah. it up or should I wait? Uh, look up Greg Patillo Inspector Gadget. Okay. Um, th and this video came out, oh man, it was a long time ago. I would say it was probably one of the first, not the first, but like it was an early video on YouTube. Um, and it was like this, yep, that's the one. Okay, wait, um, let me, let me just like, let me cue it up. Yeah, keep, keep talking. Let me just cue it up. Okay. Okay. It's cute. Um, and th this video was something like he had started, like he had created this technique and started doing it as a busker, I think in New York city. Um, like he was a classically trained flutist that wasn't able to get a job with an orchestra. And so he just started busking and he created this technique and he perfected it to the point that he recorded a couple of YouTube videos and went like crazy viral. And you can see like the views on this video. I it's in, it's in the quite a few millions, like dozens of millions, I think 30 million, 30 million views. Yeah. Like unreal. How many views this video has gotten over the last decade, 13 years and ago. So, okay. Yeah. Um, so this goes completely viral and it actually got to the point where it caught the attention of the, the big flute like society in the United States called the national flute association. Um, and every single year they, um, commission a composer to write a piece for one of their competitions. They have several competitions that they host every year. And for several of these competitions, they have composers write a piece. And so one year, it was probably, ooh, I want to say like 2008 or 2009, somewhere in there. Oh, maybe it was 2010. I can't remember. They actually commissioned Greg Patillo to write a beatbox flute piece. And that kind of like, that established beatbox flute playing as like a legit extended technique and like something that anybody could learn. Um, and so I thought this was the coolest thing ever. I had like barely dabbled in beatbox flute um after i had saw greg patillo's videos and was just like this is way too hard there's no way i can do this um but what was cool about that piece it's called three beats for beatbox flute um is it basically by learning this piece you learn the technique of beatbox flute playing and so that's how i taught myself the technique started jamming a little bit um and then like well i'll i'll leave you there do you have the video queued up do you want to show it yeah 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 um, yeah, I'll, we'll watch this video and then I'll kind of go into my story with beatbox flute playing. Okay. This is sort of a janky way to do this, but whatever. <laughs> um, do you know how to like share your screen? Um, oh, I do. I'm such a dummy. Yeah. Why don't you like share your screen? Um, and make sure to like share your device sound when you do it. Can I share my screen like from my phone though? I don't think so. Yep. I can, yeah, you can. Click on share screen and then share, like share iPhone, iPad screen should come up on the menu. Oh my gosh. Tell you what, oh, I no, it, I, I, it says that a plugin is required. Oh, can you do it? Um, can you just go into your share screen settings? It's the little arrow by share screen and then enable participants to share screen. Um, hold on. Wait, I'm sorry. How do you do this? My, my bad. I just don't know how to do this. So the green share screen button at the bottom. Yes. I just clicked click it. Click on the little, click on, no, don't click on it. There's a little arrow to, on the right side of it. Did you find it? Done. Okay. And then there should be like a menu. I think you go into advanced options or there should be something that says like uh, enable screen yes. share. 
who can share. Um, it says that all participants can share. Bingo. Okay. Yeah. It's got you got it. Down. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm excited to see this. yeah so anyways dude that's amazing that's so cool that's sick i mean as you would expect like this it blew up like it was something that was completely novel that nobody had ever done before at least nobody had ever seen before so this blows up and the whole story that i talk about you know and basically this is an extended technique that like people just start doing and start learning um so i got my feet wet in it um and it was super fun um and anyways so at byu where as i said i did my undergrad there was this like student run talent competition and the the various winners that they were gonna select for it would perform like in front of a decently big crowd um for one of the events that happened at the university at the end of the year so anyways, I show up for the, the talent thing and I, you know, do my beatbox flute thing. And it was just like, uh, yeah, we want this guy in the show. Um, wow. And so anyway, I can see um, why, man, it's amazing. So, but what I wanted to do is I want to do something a little bit more unique. Um, and if, if you remember, like this was, oh, this would have been 2015. And so like dubstep was kind of like, it was in its heyday starting to decline a little bit, but it was like still like, it was still a thing. Um, and I, I was really, I don't know. I was kind of inspired by like the, like, yeah, like I know the, exactly like what you're rumble, talking about. Like, like the rattling bass sound. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and like, as you heard with Greg Patillo, he's more like just the classic, just like drum set, just like, boom, you know, just like the, the regular syllables. That was a terrible example, but you know, anyways, um, 
so I wanted to be like, okay, I'm going to take what Greg Patillo is doing, but I want to like modernize this. And I want like a little bit of like a dubstep trap element um, in mind. So that's where what? like the, you can hear me rolling my R's to kind of give that like rattling effect in my video. And so I just have this and then so I start going with the beatboxing, you know, the and then what I do from there is I just kind of start improvising a little bit, but I do it with like going from this, you know, and then I go into halftime like the. Yeah, that part, that that part is is insane. And yeah, it's it's funny, like because I was thinking like, oh, people will like this. The crowd, and you can hear it in the video. The crowd. <laughs> oh, people! People will probably like this. <laughs> the crowd went berserk Dude. when I started doing that tech. They were like, "Oh my god!" Like it, it was pretty funny. Um, so, anyways, it's it's funny because that that little video clip BYU actually posted on their Facebook page, like back when the event happened in 2015, and I went super viral for like a day. Like that video in 24 hours got like 150,000 views. Oh my gosh. Uh, which was mind blowing. Um, and then like, you know, as trends do, it died off after like two days and you know, whatever, it's fine. Um, but what's funny is that sometimes that video will like come back to haunt me. Cause you know, like how, how Facebook will tell you, like give you your memories and stuff. Ugh. So sometimes like either BYU will repost that video or like, as I did on Instagram, you know, a couple months ago, I was like, ah, it's throwback Thursday. Why not, you know, bring back this old gem. And sure enough, like it kind of went viral again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's a, it's yeah, a it's, sick, it's, fun. it's a sick video. And just like how the flute player that you showed me is completely not we say novel like, i think yeah. novels are that what you did is completely novel because that's literally dubstep inspired flute playing yeah. which i did not <laughs> expect something to ever come out of my mouth <laughs> like that is, <laughs> so that is that is so unbelievably cool yeah. i mean dude that's probably the way that you felt on that day was probably how wagner felt wagner's <laughs> felt every single day we're gonna yeah. keep bringing back wagner aren't we oh my god i mean dude he's a cool guy yeah, I mean, dude, I think in a few years you're gonna have people uh, studying yeah. uh, studying the scores of Drew Powell, yikes, trying to figure man. out what. Let's, I, yikes! Isn't that the goal here? <laughs> let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Leo. Yeah, no, let's not. Let's not talk about our plans. Let's show people our <laughs> results, right? I mean, do you wanna do you wanna show that um, the the video on Instagram? Oh yeah, I was actually gonna say like I don't want like. Like, I want to pull it up on my own computer, but like I think it would just be easier if you did because like you yeah. you have a little more experience with this. So like please pull this up and show it on on this podcast. Okay. I, I, I want to see that. Yeah, it's absolutely bananas. Actually... To, to my listeners, this is the reason why we're having this awesome <laughs> podcast about this super nuanced subject that I would never have any idea even existed if it were not for this video. All right. Exciting stuff. Okay, yeah, here we are. All right. All right, let me know if you can hear this. If it decides to play. Okay. Uh-oh. Wait, scroll up oh. and down maybe. Maybe that'll help. I'm sorry. All right, tell you what, I'm going to stop my shit because I think I just have the file for this video on my phone. Okay, cool, man. Let me let me check because, yeah, I think it was just, oh, yeah, look at that. There it is. Okay. By the way, you've definitely given me the reality slap that I need about uh, sharing stuff. How unprofessional of me <laughs> to not be able to do something so simple as sharing I mean, a screen. 
to be fair, like I, I mean, I teach online, so like I've been like living on Zoom for a while now. That makes a lot of sense. All right, hopefully this works. savage i feel like I, I feel like right at the end there i feel like right at the end there you did the thing that zoro like does with it. Yeah, yeah yeah no i'm saying like the way that that felt was like you know how like whenever zoro like does something crazy right before he leaves the room he does like the da, 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 on the wall and just leaves a z you know what i'm talking about yeah. that was you with mm -hmm. that last little part that yeah, was so, yeah. so sweet man so sweet well dude we've gone for about an hour um i think we've made okay. some epic epic it didn't feel like an hour we've made some epic content here drew i want to stay updated on your life i want to do this again like cool. th thank you so much for coming on the gram radio podcast yeah um do you have do you have anything you want to say uh yeah so feel free to follow me on instagram um i'm drew powell flute on instagram um and then from there you can also check out my website if you're interested in flute lessons for example uh, especially because I'm teaching online at this point. Anybody can take flute lessons from me. Um, you can find me, again, it's just www.drewpowellflute.com. Uh, I've got all the information. Um, and also I've got a really fun like about me page on that page if you want to learn a little bit more about me and my life and my journey with the flute. Um, and so, yeah, feel free to check me out. Follow me on Instagram. And if you'd like a lesson, hit me up. Before we go, can you hit us with like a little something on the flute? Like if you, if, if there's a flute near, <laughs> if there's a flute, if, if you have one near you, I would just love to oh, see okay. something. Well, yeah, sure. Let me, uh, let me grab it. I did not think that I would be playing, but all right. Let me do a little bit of show and tell. Um, Please do. This is really exciting. I, we, we've never had a musical performance on the Graham Radio uh, podcast. Um. So what's what's really cool about my flute actually is um i'm not sure how well you can see the color on the video it's like silvery coppery yeah you can kind of see like the little bit of like copper kind of color yeah it's kind of coppery so that's because my flute's actually made of rose gold i was about to say it kind of looks like rose gold wow i'm so happy that i that, that i let you say it first it's nice yeah so that's so yeah, cool wait how'd you get a like, rose gold flute like who who so, even makes those believe it or not gold flutes are actually very common in the flute world like really? a lot of a lot of professional flutists have flutes that are made of gold um the density of the metal is such that it just creates kind of a warmer sound gold is it i mean as we as we probably know is denser than silver um and so yeah because it's a different metal it has different sonic properties when it's you know resonating um, wow. and so, yeah, the, the body or the tube of my flute is made of rose gold. And then the keys are just, I mean, the keys are just silver, uh, which is more standard. Uh, but yeah, I really love wow, the sound man. of a gold flute and it just, it works for me. You know, for a hot, um, for, for a hot second there, I was about, I, I thought that you were about to say that you made that flute <laughs> and I was going <laughs> to, that was going to be amazed. No, 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 no. It's like, um, you, like you, you turn the camera a little bit and there's like a gigantic fire pit like of just like... workshop here. I'm like <laughs> casting gold and silver in my room. Yeah, you're know. just you're like hammering away at the rose gold. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, okay, let me uh, turn down my microphone. We'll see if this works. I mean, it'll work, but... Okay, I'm just doing a little bit of sound checking here just to make sure I'm not overloading my microphone. How did that sound on your end? Fantastic. Okay, cool. It's kind of a, a little excerpt of a piece. That was um, amazing and something on. that I will probably never be able to do. Holy crap. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Man. Well, cool. Levi, it was a pleasure. It was super fun. Thanks for having me on. Of course, man. Until next time, brother. Peace. Okay. See ya. Have a good one. You too.